Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Oak City Church. My name is Dan. You normally would see the better-looking Jeff Ramsey, but he got off. The, he was given this week off, so he's at his cohort of other pastors, spending time together in the Word and in fellowship. Uh, so much earned time off for Jeff, and I'm glad he could have that. I do want to give a, a big shout-out real quick to, if you were able to attend last week to our live service, it was awesome, the outdoor service. That was our second one. Uh, if you haven't been to any of them, you got to come. It's so good. It was so encouraging for me, for my family, for my soul to see your faces, to be able to hear you guys sing and worship together. And really just, I've missed that so much. So there'll be another one coming up soon. Uh, so be on the lookout. And then for everyone that was involved, volunteered from the band to Jeff, to Sam and Tiffany, everyone else that was involved in helping uh, set up and just being there, thank you. It was worth it, so thank you. Please know that the words probably don't even display the gratitude that I have and the church has for it because it's really encouraging to meet. So listen, we've been in just been walking us through a series in Nehemiah for the past seven weeks. And we're going to take a step out of that. He's going to conclude Nehemiah next week. This week, he kind of gave me a little bit of free reign. And I, and I think if, if you listen to what Jeff said last week, um, if you haven't, go listen to it. Uh, to me, it was really encouraging but challenging. As he talked about, as disciples of the followers of Jesus, we should become more heavy. We should put on weight. And not in the literal of being fat, but of being a follower of Jesus, that journey, what that looks like, and what it means to become more heavy. And it's really kind of fitting for where we're going to be at today. We're going to look at the book of Jonah. I love the book of Jonah. Partially, it is four chapters. It's an easy read, right? You could... Literally, I think it takes less than 10 minutes to listen to all four chapters on the Bible app. If they, if you want to just listen to it, you should do that. Um, but what, I mean, there's so much in the book of Jonah. I would love to spend a couple weeks. We're not going to for the sake of time. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to paraphrase chapters 1 through 3. And we're going to spend some time looking in chapter 4. And I want to kind of lay out the three points where I want to move today so you can follow along so you know what my, my idea is. So the first point is Jonah knew the character of God but didn't embrace it. Jonah knew the character of God but didn't embrace it. Second point will be that we are like Jonah and we know God's character but we don't always embrace it as well. And then the third and my final point is as we experience, as we embrace the character of God, we are called to share that. So that's where we're going to move through the day. I want you to understand where we're going to go. But before we go there, I want to pray. It's probably a little weird for you that I'm going to pray to a camera. I miss your faces. Uh, but I am standing today. I'm not sitting like I was last time. So I can hopefully try not to move too much. But uh, we're going to just pray that God just speaks here. For our, that his word is spoken today and that he opens our hearts to hear. So God... We give you the glory and the praise. We come before you with humility. And God, we just ask that you speak, that you silence me, that God, you are glorified and your name is made known through your word today and that you reveal your character and what you want us to do as a result of your character. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this past week has been a bit crazy. There is so much hurt and violence 
and questions there is pain and suffering that doesn't make sense with two different shootings in wisconsin uh, more questions i mean sports are, are put on hold as everyone is trying to figure out how do we move forward what's next all this with a pandemic that's been going on since january and really affecting the u.s since march uh, so we're isolated, we're alone, we're feeling depressed. And then you turn on the news and you see that there's a hurricane that has just gone through Louisiana and Texas. I mean, it is crazy times. And if you turn on the news, it's really, really depressing. So listen, if you don't get anything from my message today, hear this one little bit before you tune me out. Is that our hope and our peace and our purpose and our identity cannot be found in this world. It can only be found in Jesus. This world is broken and hurting. And they need Jesus, but we need Jesus as well. Without Jesus, there's no hope. So let me just say that. And to me, it's really fitting that we live in a culture and a world that is just full of evil and violent. We're seeing just the bad in people come out. It's just elevated, especially with social media. You can see the bad that people have done or are doing or portraying people in a really bad light. So in the book of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet. God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And you need to tell these people that they need to repent. And here's why. They're, they are so wicked and evil. And, it's, and it says in, um, in verse 2 that their evil has come up before me. And that's translated to say their wickedness has raised up to the heavens. That is bad for God to comment on it and then be in the Bible that your wickedness has raised to heaven. Here's a little fun fact about Jonah. Uh, Jonah is mentioned two other times outside of the book of Jonah. He's mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, and he's mentioned as he prophesies as the King Jeroboam II. King Jeroboam was a uh, king of Israel. He was a bad king, but Jonah is known as prophesying to him and in favor for him for the battle he's about to go into. Jonah is also mentioned in the New Testament by Jesus. I think that's really important that we see that Jonah is mentioned outside of his book, because uh, some people say, oh, Jonah wasn't real, there's no way. But Jesus references him, and then it's also referenced in Second Kings. So I, th I think it's really neat, some cool stuff there. And so I'm going to give you the Dan version of paraphrasing here. So God says, hey, you need to go to Nineveh. Their evil is too much, and if you don't, I'm going to wipe them out. So Jonah, being the good prophet that he is, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to Tarnish, Tarshish. The opposite way that God wants him. He thinks, it says in the Bible that Jonah tries to escape the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I've, at times I've tried to escape the presence of God and you can't. But Jonah thinks he's going to. So he's on this ship and all of a sudden they come into, of course, God sends a storm because God pursues us. Again, as we start to see the character of God, we see that God will pursue us because we're meant to be in a relationship with him. So Jonah is trying to escape on this ship. And they hit the storm, and he's taking a nap, and the sailor's like, hey, wake up. How are you sleeping? Who are you? What have you done? Is this your fault? So they ask him all these questions, and he's like, hey, listen, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve the God of heaven who made the dry sea and uh, the dry land and the sea. <laughs> the sailor's like, so this is your fault. So they're like, he's like, hey, you know what? I got an idea. I don't want to do what God wants me to do, so go ahead and throw me overboard and just kill me. Call it quits. I don't have to go to Nineveh, God can wipe them out, and all is good. A bit twisted, right? But the sailors don't want to have their, his blood on their hands, so they throw cargo, they try to row into the no prevail, they're like, all right, fine, but this is not on us, this is on you, so they throw Jonah overboard. 
And these sailors were pagan. They said that in the Bible they were praying to their own gods. So all of a sudden the storm calms. And they're like, wow, that is God. And what's really great, and I, I don't have a lot of time to spend in this, but Jonah is doing the opposite of what God wants him to do. But because of God's character, he, God, still uses Jonah's bad for good. Important point. So these sailors come to know who God is. All right. Um, it goes on in the end of the chapter that as Jonah is about to drown, a giant fish doesn't say we often say it's a whale. Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. End chapter one, start chapter two. Chapter two, he is praying to God. It says that he was humbled and as he was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, and he prays to God. What's really cool about the prayer is that he is quoting a lot of aspects of Psalm. He's quoting Psalms as his prayer. Now, Jonah is not a great example of praying because he doesn't say, hey God, I really messed up. I thought I could run from your presence. He didn't do that, he just, but he talks about God's greatness and his love. Um, so you, you gotta read it. So the end of chapter two, it says that God spoke to this fish and not the children's style where the fish opens the mouth and out walks Jonah. It says that he, the fish vomits Jonah on the dry land. And that's the end of scene, or chapter two. We get into chapter three, where God speaks to Jonah. And he says, you need to go to Nineveh and tell them who I am and call them to repent. So we learn in the Bible that Nineveh is this really big, big city. And it says that it's a three-day journey from one side to the other. Jonah is still kind of half-hearted. And he decides, well, he walks a day and says, that's good enough. And he gives a real half-hearted message where he says, you have 40 days to repent or you'll be destructed. That's, I mean, not a lot of uh, grace or love or anything about God really being, he just says you got 40 days. And here's what's amazing. Again, Jonah being half-hearted, not really caring, God uses that message and the people repent. It says that they fast, they put on sackcloth. It, the word gets to the king, he puts out a proclamation, says everyone, uh, and your animals too, your cattle, all that, we are going to not eat or drink, and we're going to repent to God. Which is amazing. Now, if this is a Hallmark movie, if this is a Disney movie, that's a great ending. we got chapters 1 through 3, Jonah probably learns a good lesson, and we're done. But we're talking about the Bible, and I told you there's four chapters, so we're not over yet. So, I want to pick up in, ch in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. I picture my boys. They've told me before, Dad, I'm mad at you. I picture them. Jonah kind of crosses his arm. God, I'm mad at you. And Jonah is mad because he wanted God to wipe out Nineveh. He despised the people of Nineveh. So it says that he was angry. And, and listen to this. He goes on to verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord, which I find interesting. He didn't pray when he was in the storm and tells the sailors to throw him over. It doesn't say that he prayed. He just said, hey, this is what I think is best. And God had to fix that situation. So he prays and he says, oh, Lord, is this not what I said yet when I was in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. So we're about to see why Jonah ran from the presence of God. He says this, For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. 
I don't know about you, but I've had people tell me that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. That the God of the Old Testament is full of vengeance and anger and quick to wipe people out. And the God of the New, somehow he switched it up and said, hey, I'm the God of love now. That's not true. And what's amazing as we read that in Jonah, that links to two other times is that same uh, description, characteristic of God is mentioned. So in Exodus 34, God is talking to Moses and says, I am the Lord your God, and I am a, God, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and I'm bounding steadfast love. That same characteristic is also mentioned by prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 when he's talking to the people of Israel. He says, the God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding steadfast love. So we see this theme throughout the Old Testament that God is a God of grace and mercy and love. So what we see here is that Jonah knows the character of God, but he didn't embrace it. He doesn't embrace it. He runs from it. He, he wanted to end his life. He had the sailors, hey, throw me overboard. If that lets me escape the presence of God, then do it. He says, you know what, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to Nineveh, but I'm not going to give a great message. I'm not going to, I'm going to walk a day in. I don't care enough. See, he knew the character of God, but he doesn't embrace it. And I think, I think we can relate to that. I mean, turn on the news. Like I mentioned, some of the current events right now, if you think about just the local level or national, even the global level right now, we want justice to be served. And how as Christians, we should long for godly justice. We should. But we have to be very careful, because I think what happens is if we're honest, if we examine our hearts, we examine ourselves, what we're really longing for in justice is when it fits our agenda or our narrative or our story. Because what we're really after is we're really after revenge. And that's what Jonah, Jonah wanted God's justice to pour out, his revenge to pour out on the people of Nineveh. He didn't want God's mercy and justice. Let me give you an example. If you were here in the building today, I would say, hey, show of hands. So if you've seen the movie Taken, I want you to raise your hand. So if you're at home, go ahead and raise your hand. If you've seen the movie Taken, Liam Neeson, uh, his daughter is uh, kidnapped when she goes over, see, over to Europe, right? And so go ahead and raise your hand. You, you see the movie. How dare you? You should be ashamed. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope you can feel that same laugh. I talking on the camera. I missed you guys. Uh, but how dare you? So I saw the movie for because I wanted to study and you know experiment on what revenge versus justice looked like. So I. I had to watch the movie just like you. And so Liam Neeson, when his daughter's kidnapped, she calls him and she's and uh, she's under the bed and the guy takes the phone that's the kidnapped and Liam Neeson says, I don't know who you are, I don't have any money, but I have a certain set of skills and I will find you and I will kill you. And the guy says, good luck, I heard you, thank you, I heard you. He says, good luck. So. There is this scene in the movie where Liam Neeson walks in. He's got this piece of paper and he says, hey, can you guys translate this? And they kind of all laugh. And, one, and the guy that was on the phone with them said, good luck. And it triggers Liam Neeson. He's like, that's the guy. And he says, hey, you don't remember me, but I talked to you two days ago. And I told you I would find you. And then it clicks and the guy goes to fight. Liam Neeson kicks his butt. He takes out 10 other guys. And then the scene ends. He drags the guy down to the basement to interrogate him. I remember sitting 
I think either I stood and clapped or I cheered. Like, yes, he got his revenge. We could say he got his justice, but if we want to be honest, justice would be like he handcuffs him, takes him to court, but that's not what we want. We want to see that bad guy pay. We want to see him suffer, right? Um, and what's interesting is I looked up the movie Taken a bit. I wanted to see what was the, the, the most viewed or watched scene from the movie. And that scene has nine over 9.5 million views on YouTube. It's a 90 second clip. I think that reveals that we desire that revenge. We want to see it played out. We want the good guy to get that bad guy. I think we get in trouble is determining who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. I think we're seeing that right now. So back to Jonah. Jonah is waiting for God to wipe out the Ninevites. He is waiting for God's judgment and justice to pour out. And then we see in verse 3, because he just said, God, I knew this would happen. And it says in verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. Talk about hate. Or Jonah thinks that it's better for him to die than to see the people of Nineveh live and him to live. So God says, and the Lord said, Do you well, do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? And Jonah continues his temper tantrum. Smartly, he doesn't answer. He just walks away. And I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of verses here. Um, so Jonah goes to the top of a hill where he can oversee the city. And he's looking down on Nineveh. And I, I think Jonah here, knowing he knows the character of God. He's like, hey, you are forgiving them. But I still want to, I'm still going to watch. Because you know what? You'll probably change your mind tomorrow because they're going to probably mess up terribly. And you're just going to wipe them out. So I'm going to have the best seat in the house. Well, that day ends, and overnight, um, Jonah was in under a plant of this tree, and God sends this worm to destroy this. So the next morning, the, the plant is shriveled up, and the sun is coming up, and gets really, really hot. So we're going to pick it up in the end of verse 8, and it says this. And he asked, Jonah says, that he might die, and said, it is better for me to die than to live. He's repeating it. Hey, God, my life is, this is it. I'm done. Throwing in the towel, kill me. But God says to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? So the first time, God's like, hey, do you do well to be angry because of my character? And now he's like, do you do well to be angry about this plant? And listen to Jonah, and he says, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Because the plant that gave him shade died, Jonah, and here's what God says, and we're going to see some more of the character of God here. It says, the Lord said, you pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. And then God drops the mic. And that's how Jonah ends. Right, we see... We see Jonah's angry because of God's great grace and his mercy and love. But Jonah wanted God to revenge on the evil people of Nineveh. And that really leads into my second point there is, see, we, the problem is that we are just like Nineveh. I mean, Jonah, excuse me. We are just like Jonah. Well, we may know the character of God in our head, but we don't embrace him in our hearts. And the fact that God uses the analogy of a plant to say, hey, there are people, people that I know and made, 
Like if you look in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, and this is why we're, we need to be in God's word, it says that God made man and woman in his image. In his image. Get that. I mean, if we viewed people like God did, made in his image, it would change our relationship and how we interact with people. And I, and I, I've, I can hear you now say, hey, I don't know if we're really like Jonah, Dan. Maybe we're not. And I've even heard people say, hey, you know what? How then can an all-loving God judge someone? How can a God full of love judge? And I want you to think about this then. Think about the people that you know and that you care about, you love. You know the good and the bad. My wife knows my good and my bad. She knows how I'm going to think, how I react. But despite that, she still loves me. Here's a quote I want to share with you. It's by Michael Ramsden. He is the president of RZIM, which is the Robbie Zachariah International Ministries. And Mike Ramsden says this. He says, true love does not exist in the absence of judgment. True love exists in the presence of judgment. He goes on, he says, true love exists when someone has passed the correct moral judgment on who you are and is under no illusions as to what you are like. So true love is when someone has passed the correct moral judgment on who you are and is under no illusions as to what you are like, but still loves you. Let that sink in. That is God. God knows our deepest and darkest secrets. He knows our thoughts. And yet he loves us. Yet he pursues us. He knew Jonah and he pursued him. God knows us despite our brokenness. And what's, what's interesting is I, Ken sent me an article recently uh, by the Gospel Coalition, and they, in that article they, had, they went through a survey that, that was recently done. And the title of this was called Majority of American Christians. Majority of American Christians don't believe the gospel. So I don't know how many people took the survey, uh, but what I do know is that 48% of the Americans... Just 48% of the Americans responded and believe that good works can earn them salvation. What was interesting from that survey, 52% of Christians responded. 52%. Again, so whether Christian or non-Christian, right at half, believe that God will accept them through their good works. So we can know the character of God. We can know it, and if we don't embrace it, we're like Jonah. And part of it is, I don't, I think, we don't think we're going to be judged by God. Or we're going to be judged on a sliding grading scale. That a C or D are good enough. And, and God's eyes has a, a holy God. He says, it's pass or fail. Let me, let me highlight that. There's two verses in the Bible that I love. The first is Romans 3.23. It says, for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not some, but we've all sinned. We've all done bad things. And if you were here, you'd probably shake your head, yeah. But it goes on. It says, Romans 5, 8 says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's the gospel. That Jesus knew how broken we are. And yet he loves us. He desires a relationship. See, the, the problem with all, all, all the religions, the problem with all the religions is that if you want to exercise mercy, you cannot exercise justice. 
right? So if, if we're gonna act out justice, there's no mercy. But if I give you mercy, then there's no justice. So the difference is in the Christian faith of Jesus. God is able to exercise both, and here's how. Jesus takes our justice, our judgment on the cross. So God can extend his mercy to us. So Jesus stood on the cross, took on my sin and your sin. He took on our wrong, took on the, the wrath of God so that God can give us mercy. And that's the whole storyline of the Bible, is our need for Jesus. And in my walk with Jesus, as I have just said that, putting on that spiritual, the disciple weight, I've realized that the Bible is the best thing that speaks to my broken heart. But the great thing is this doesn't reveal how broken my heart is. The Bible gives me a remedy, a solution, and that's Jesus. Jonah knew the character of God. He knew that God was full of grace, full of mercy, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. But Jonah thought he could get by with just doing enough good. He could follow the law. And I think you and I, we were made for that. We are made for the law. We want to do good things. Think about that survey. 50% of us, of Americans, believe that we can do good enough good works. See, we like law. We like the idea of good works because that means if we do enough good, then God owes us. We don't like the idea of grace because with grace, God's saying, I did it. You don't deserve it. I did it. So you oh God. We don't like that. We want to be in control. And this really leads me to that third and final point is that as we as we experience the grace and the love of God, of his mercy, we are called then to share it. So think about Jonah. Jonah went to some very drastic measures to not share the character of God with the people around him. He hopped on a ship one the opposite way, was willing for them to throw him in the sea and, and die. He then goes to, to Nineveh. He gives a half-hearted message. He didn't want to share. And then he thought, well, maybe God will change, so I'm going to sit on the hill and watch them be destroyed. The whole Bible points to how broken we are. But the beauty of God's character in that brokenness and that he cho chooses us and he chooses broken people in the Bible. I've been reading through Joshua, and there's uh, Rahab, who's a prostitute, and she helps the people of Israel get into Jericho. And this prostitute turns in, and later on, if you look at the lineage of Jesus, her name is, she's associated as the family line of Jesus. How God continues to use broken people to share his, his character. So as I was preparing for this, and I was thinking about, well, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the New. It's the same God. Yesterday and today and tomorrow, it's the same God. And I really jumped out the analogy of Jesus, God saying, hey, you're worried about that plant, but I worry about the people. It hit me really hard. Just the character of God, of being a God full of grace and mercy. It hit me, I am Jonah. And then it hit me, who do I view as Nineveh? Who is my Nineveh? Who do I consider to be Ninevites? And that rocked me. And put, think about that. Who is your Nineveh? Is it a boss or a coworker? Maybe it's a family member that wronged you that you just cannot forgive. 
maybe it's somebody that always is wearing a mask or somebody that's never wearing a mask. Maybe it's uh, somebody that aligns with a political party or ideology. Maybe it's somebody like Derek Chauvin who was the police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck. Whatever the case, all of us are like, Jonah, we can picture somebody or someone that if God said, hey, I want you to go share my character with them, how would you react? What would you think? Jonah, we see Jonah runs, trying to do the opposite, and God still uses it for good. Jonah gives a half-hearted message, and God still overcomes his brokenness. I am like Jonah because I don't want the people of Nineveh, whoever they are in your life, and who they are in my life, I don't always want them to experience the goodness, the grace, and the love of God. But God can still overcome that. And that's where we need to you know, gain in that spiritual discipleship weight. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we have fellowship. That's why I have opportunities through home groups. I have opportunities through praying and getting to know the character of God, getting to know the will of God. Because right now in our world where we're hurting, where we're longing for answers, where people are isolated and alone, people are scared, they're confused, they're angry, um, the only thing that remedies and fixes our hearts is Jesus. It's the fact that God poured out his judgment, the stuff that we rightfully deserve, he poured it out onto the cross of, on Jesus. So Jesus can say, I know you and you are mine. And God no longer views us as evil and wicked. He uses as a child, as a son and daughter of his. Let me, let me kind of bring this all to a wrap. Let me close with this story, uh, a story on grace. So a lot of you hopefully know of LaGuardia Airport. You've heard of that up in New York. What you probably don't know is that it was named after the mayor from the 30s named Forlello LaGuardia, okay? He was known to be a very colorful character. Uh, he was five foot four, he's a small guy. He's a foot shorter than me. He wore this, uh, they called him a little flower because he wore a carnation in his lapel. And it goes on that he would ride the New York City fire trucks. He would raid the speakeasies of the police department. He was known to take entire orphanages to baseball games. And when newspapers went on strike, he actually went on the radio and read the Sunday uh, funnies, which the, the comics, to the kids. So one night in January of 1935, the, the mayor turned up at, in court uh, and it was a really the poorest section, the poorest ward of the city. And he dismissed the judge. He said, hey, go home, have the night off. I'll, I'll step in. And so within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told Lagoria that her daughter's husband had left her, her daughter was sick, and the two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper who the bread was stolen from refused to drop the charges. He said, it's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor. The, mayor told the, ma the man told the mayor, she's got to be punished. We got to teach other people around here a lesson. He wanted justice. In his eyes, he wanted justice. Like that, LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and he said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching to his pocket and he extracted a bill and tossed it into his hat. 
here's the $10, which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, please collect the fines and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspapers reported that $47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner, while some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York policemen, each of them just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. I don't know where you're at today, where you're at with everything going on, but I know that Jesus forgives us for far worse than stealing a loaf of bread. Because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of the character of God, we can be in a relationship with him. We get an opportunity to experience the unconditional love that Jesus will never leave us nor fail us and he'll never forsake us. In a world of empty promises and broken dreams and shattered hearts, only Jesus can heal. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not, if you know with your head the character of God, if you know of him, but you've never committed, it's not for your heart, you've never embraced the character of God. Love to talk to you even more. We have resources, but I just ask you to pray and submit to God and say, Jesus, I need you. I want to embrace your character. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple and you need or you know that God wants you to put on more weight for him, to become a stronger, heavier disciple, if you've embraced the character of God as a God full of grace and mercy, as a God slow to anger and, a, uh, and full of love, if you've embraced that, he wants you to go share it. If that is you, who is your Nineveh? Who has God called you to go share his love and truth with? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is like a mirror and exposes our heart. But it doesn't just leave us there. It exposes your character of your grace and your mercy and your truth. So Jesus, we just pray now that you change our hearts that you use us to change this world, to build your kingdom. God, you are in the business of restoring broken hearts and using broken people to do it. So Jesus, I pray that we, as a church, as the body of Christ, will be your hands and feet by sharing your love and your grace and your mercy. And we'll help people come to know you and be in that relationship with you that we need, that we long for. Jesus, I just pray that in your wonderful and beautiful name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Not sure if we're doing anything after worship-wise, so if not, have a great week. Thanks for check, uh, being here. Jeff will be back next week. He'll wrap up Nehemiah. And stay tuned. We'll have some more information coming out soon about our next outdoor service. And can't wait to see you. Have a great week. Love you all.